Good morning. I get to officially welcome you to Brown Corners Church today as one of the pastoral staff here, and uh, glad you're here. If uh, you're relatively new and, or if you're a visitor, find one of these connection cards, fill it out and put it in the slot back there by the, in the offer, next to the offering box back there. It took me a while to figure out what those were, and, and, but I, I got it now. So, uh, And if you don't have a card next to you or in front of you, just poke your neighbor a little bit and say, give me one of those cards. It's, it's okay. They won't hit you back, right? Won't, no hitting back. <laughs> we tell our kids that it doesn't work very often. But Okay, other things that are happening... You got a lot of things in your bulletin. I'm not going to insult you by reading all that, but you got a VBS coming up in July 10 through 14. You got a baptism coming up in August. Uh, if you if you would like to be baptized or you're thinking about it, you want to know more about it, uh, contact Pastor Jeremiah or one of the other of our pastors. We'll be happy to talk with you. And uh, on the very back page. There's something about small groups. That's one of my areas of responsibility. And we're going to be having a, a meeting in mid-August to kind of get ourselves together and see if we can't get groups going. You got some things taking place today. April uh, was in the earlier service, and she was nervous. <laughs> she had posted on Facebook that she was in a panic because she didn't know whether or not she had invited all of you. And you are all invited. It's from 11 until 4. You can't skip out yet. I'm not done. <laughs> but uh, you, have, you also have a list of the graduates. And I, I'm want, I want to encourage you to take this home. Put it on your refrigerator. Pray for these young people. And pray for their parents. Because whether they know it or not, a great transition is awaiting them come the fall. Some will get it earlier if their son or daughter is going into the military or getting a job, but most of these are going off to college, and that's a tough time for families sometimes. So be in prayer for families. Uh, I remember when our daughter first went off to college, my wife, is, the tears are going down, and then I said, well, she'll be back. And she said, I know, but it'll never be the same again. And it's true. And it is true. So pray for the families, okay? We can do that. Tonight. Oh, tonight. From 5.30 until 8, Sir Mitch, our youth pastor, is inviting all the youth from uh, fifth grade through high school to come and have a blast. This is your perfect opportunity to connect or reconnect with what is happening at Route 29. Route, Route 29. I almost said 73, but no, we won't go there. All the great stuff Mitch has planned almost, almost makes me wish I was a kid again so I could go and have a blast. But I know if I went and did some of the things that they're going to be doing tonight, my body would rise up in rebellion, and I would pay for it for the rest of the week, if not longer. But if, uh, 
If you're going into fifth grade or you've just completed high school, anything in between, you are welcome. You are welcome. Go to Route 28 tonight from 5.30 to 8. Have a blast. Get in on the fun. Don't miss out on this one, gang. We used to say, be there or be square. You know? So, um, and, oh, and by the way, invite a friend. Invite a friend along. If that doesn't work, invite an enemy. Either one's okay. All right. Enough of that. Let's, I'm going to back that up a little bit or I'm going to fall over. I may need it later, but let's have some prayer. Oh, God, we thank you. I thank you for the music team and the songs that were sung and help us. It it really helped us to get in touch with, oh, God, we need you. We need your love. We need your healing. We need your touch for our lives, oh, God. Because without you, without you, we can't make it. We've tried, but we can't make it. But with you, there is hope. And there is so much more for us. So bless us as we are together in this time. And as we look at the scriptures, Lord, would you touch our hearts today? In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. We'll cross-reference that with uh, a passage in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 61. You don't need to go there because it's basically a quote from, from there. There are other passages that I will make reference to as well, but... Matthew, or not Matthew, Luke chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. He was invited to stand and to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. The The scroll of Isaiah had become in Israel one of their favorites because in Isaiah there were so many promises that dealt with the the promise of God to send a Messiah to, to do all manner of things for the nation of Israel. And so Jesus took the scroll, he unrolled it, found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of the people in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, 
today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Imagine what they must have been thinking. Powerful words. And to begin with, we need to kind of take care of a couple of little things. But Jesus is in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. They knew him. This is Joseph's son, they said later. He'd already been in ministry for about a year, and they had, they had heard about Jesus of Nazareth. And when they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, he, he turned to a very specific place and began to read. And we may not realize the significance of what Jesus is doing, but it wasn't missed by his congregation that day. Because Jesus is very clear and intentional in saying that this important text concerning the long-awaited Messiah has literally come true in your hearing. Jesus is claiming to be God's anointed one. And that the kingdom of heaven is breaking into their world in and through him even as he read. At first they marveled at his gracious words, but it isn't long before they turn angry. And in verses 28 and 30, listen to, listen to what happened. In, in, when they, he said some other things to them, and they started to get a little riled up. Okay, In verse 28 it says, And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They were dicked. And they rose up and drove him out of the town. They drove him out of the town. Can you imagine that? And they brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. I mean, this is a mob that's ready to just get rid of this Jesus. Get rid of him. Throw him off the cliff. But they couldn't do it. Jesus just turned at one point and just walked straight through him. Nobody touched him. Not a hand. It's amazing what God will do sometimes, isn't it? You may also find it interesting to know that although, although Israel never really observed the Jubilee year as commanded in Leviticus 25, 8 through 22, the theme of God's Jubilee year became known as the year of God's favor. And the year of God's favor included what was found in the prophets, the prophecies concerning God's Messiah like the, the passage in Isaiah 61, which we will read later. It's just one of several passages in the book of Isaiah. And it could be said, my friends, that you and I, you and I are living in the year of God's jubilee. We call it the age of grace. 
and our faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior has ushered us into the kingdom of heaven and made us a part of God's forever family. As believers, we have experienced for ourselves the tender mercy and love God has for his sons and daughters. We don't get to experience the kingdom in all of its fullness yet, but we can give witness to the fact of God's favor in one way or another as we reflect upon his goodness in our own lives. And so part of what I want to say to you this morning is, do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God loves you? Do you really know that God loves you and that you are so special to him? I hope you know that. I hope you know that. This morning, I want to focus our attention on one aspect of Jesus' ministry and its impact upon our lives in the here and now. In Psalm 34, 18, we read, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed, the crushed in spirit. The brokenhearted and the crushed, God is near to. He has a compassionate concern for your heart. In Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me, listen to this, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I want us to know that God is concerned about our broken hearts and lives. And it really does help if we can begin to acknowledge that we are all broken, every one of us. Brokenness, in a biblical sense, has a wide range of meaning. It can mean a violent separation into parts, like the literal breaking of a bone. It can mean being damaged or altered by force. Think of people who have been damaged by abuse. It can mean a person has been made weak or infirmed. And, and again, you, you think of people that, that you know who've been emotionally battered or whatever it may be and how, how weak and, and infirm they they tend to be. It can also mean being cut off from others. Being cut off from others. Isolated. It can also mean being incomplete or lacking fullness. Whether disunity created by divorce, separation, or desertion. To put it into our language, we might say that brokenness means that we are broken, wounded, sick, Isolated, empty, and abandoned. And I believe it's safe to say that everyone here fits somewhere into that category 
of broken people. I can't tell you how many times in my counseling ministry out west, I would hear people come and and sit in my office and say, "I, I feel so empty. Or, I don't even know who I am anymore. How tragic, my friends, how tragic. That's not what God wants for us. We live in a fallen world. And it affects all of us. There are no exceptions. We are all broken people. The Bible also tells us we have a common enemy who, as Jesus said, is out to, to kill, steal, and destroy your heart and life. We have a common enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy your heart. Now, you may think a theology which includes the place and work of Satan in our world is kind of old school or maybe unenlightened thinking. But I ask you, where on earth does all this evil come from? Now, you might say mankind. Yeah, it does. But how did it happen that something created by a good God and declared to be very good becomes so bad? Listen to what the, the Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. He says, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We used to have people come to our church from Kenya. And as we would talk to them, we would realize, oh, you know, the same awful things happened there as happened here. We need to believe what the scriptures tell us about our world and our enemy. Satan tried to get the throne away from God and make heaven his own. He said, I'm going to get this throne away from God. He failed in his attempt. And now, if you will, he is hell-bent on destroying or ruining everything that is precious to God. And that especially applies to the crowning work of God in creation, you and me. He's out to get us any way he can. In our worldview, If our worldview doesn't have room for Satan or the evil one, as Jesus called him, you will be hard-pressed to make sense of your life here on planet Earth. Our brokenness comes to us at the hands of others, but trust me when I tell you that Satan stands behind it. And his goal is to get us to believe his lies And give up on God. Satan loves it. When we give up on God. And turn our backs. And walk away. 
diagram number one. So this is what generally happens to us when we go ahead with that one. Um, this is what happens to us in life. We, uh, we end up with disappointments. And disappointments bring to us emotional hurt and pain. I'm not as steady as I used to be, but disappointment leads to emotional hurt and pain. And that hurt and pain comes from the betrayal, the rejection, the abandonment, the losses that we occur in life because we are living here. Every single one of us has experienced some of this, some far more than others, and some to a greater degree than others. But we've all experienced some of these things. And it ends up with us feeling empty. And what we then do, what we then do is we, we hope that there will be people who will come into our lives who will help fill that emptiness and give us a sense of connection that we might find acceptance and affirmation and, oh, to be nurtured in a relationship that says, you're okay, I love you, it's good, and to know that we are loved. But you know what happens? Disappointment. People move away. Some people say bad things to us. Some people do bad things to us. And so that, so that cycle just goes round and round and round, around and round and round, and it continues. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever noticed? You're going along and everything looks pretty good and all of a sudden, wham! Somebody crushes your heart again in the same way that it's been done before. Only it's a different person. You ever notice that? Anybody ever have that happen to you? Amen? Oh, okay, a couple of people. Okay, so that just keeps on going and, and every time we go through that circle, we we are a little more crushed. We're a little more empty. A little more desperate. And so we look for more people who will hopefully make a difference. But you're going to end up back there. When you depend on people to fix you, you're in for a disappointment. I mean, let me, I want you to be in on a secret there. I got it. You can't fix anybody. Do you know that? You can't fix anybody. Shoot, you can't even fix yourself. <laughs> ah, I got you on that one, didn't I? Yeah. You can't even fix yourself. We are broken people, but God, God in his word has given us hope. He's given us hope that he will mend our brokenness and heal the wounds of our hearts so that we can move toward the wholeness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. 
wholeness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. It is a process. And it starts when we accept Jesus as the Savior and Lord of our lives. He gives us his Holy Spirit within our hearts. And he works from there to bring about a transformation of our hearts and lives. And by the way, friends, when, he, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not the, the pumper, the thing that pumps blood through you. It's, it's about the, the center, the center of who you are as a person. It's what makes you, you, that center place. That's what the Jewish people understood to be the heart. And he places his Holy Spirit right there. And he works from there to bring about a transformation. And if we're wise, we understand that God works from the inside out, not the outside in. He works in here And then you get to experience the goodness of God as a result of how he is changing your life from one degree of glory to another. And by the way, salvation means more than having a a place in heaven as good as that is. Woohoo, right? Amen. We got a place in heaven. But that's not the meaning of salvation. It includes that. But that's not really the meaning of salvation. Salvation means to be brought to wholeness. To be made whole again. For broken people, that's a pretty good good news thing. To be made whole. To be made whole again. To be made whole and good. God, in his tender mercy and compassion, seeks to restore the wounded, broken, and crushed heart within each of us. When I was in England serving in the Air Force, I bought a 1947, that's almost as old as I am, not quite, 1947 MGTC. Oh, I love that car. And I brought, it, I brought it home with me from England to the good old U.S. of A. And I, and I was living with my folks at the time up in Vermont. I loved driving that car. It was a right-hand drive. <laughs> and every once in a while, as I'm driving down the road, I'm over... I'm over here, driving along. You know, nobody here. Nobody here. Every once in a while, you'd see somebody, huh? Where's the driver? (laughs) That was kind of fun. But I was going to restore that MG. And if you know anything about restoring anything, you know that it takes time and energy and usually more money than you got. Okay? So... I'm, I'm trying. I, I work at it. And, but after a little while, I decided that I couldn't restore my toy and go to college to prepare for ministry as God was directing. So I sold my MG to a friend. Friend. <laughs> Who promptly took that MG from Vermont down to Connecticut and tripled his, in, his uh, investment. 
Oh, if I'd only known somebody in Connecticut at the time, I could have, you know, I could have paid a better portion of my college that way. But anyway, I may have given up on restoring that car. I gave up on the restoration project. But I want to tell you, God never gives up on you or me. And the restoration work that he has in mind for us. God never gives up on you. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you. Will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Mitch can I have the second diagram. What is it that God is offering us? What does... What does God want to do for us? He wants to give us a different experience in life. And when God becomes one with us to free, to heal, to mend, and to restore us, some different things will happen in your life. When God says to you, because of your faith in in Jesus, God will say to you, you are my son, you are my daughter. I love you. You are precious to me, and I am pleased. I used to have a a saying on my filing cabinet that I would see every time I walked into my office, and that sign said, I'm me, and I'm good, because God made me, and God don't make junk. Lousy grammar, Inus. (laughs) But, it's, but a powerful, powerful idea. God has made you. And you're not junk. God doesn't make junk. Somebody once said, you know what? God doesn't have a scrap pile either. <laughs> God has something in mind for every single one of us. And that is we be restored to original condition. And so when he enters into our lives, he tells us, you are my child, I I love you. He gives us that unconditional love. And when we hear that term, we say, huh, what's that? What is unconditional love? Most of us are hard-pressed to say we've experienced unconditional love. Some of us have. We can be thankful. But most of us know that When somebody says, yeah, I love you, there's a little thread attached. Teenagers, we tell, we love you if you clean up your room once in a while, it'd help. (laughs) Or other kinds of things that, that take place. We're not, we don't know. That's why I said earlier, do you know? Do you know that God loves you? Unconditionally. It doesn't matter doesn't matter what you've experienced or where you are or anything else. God says, I love you. Get that through your head. He doesn't say it that way, but I'm paraphrasing for it. God loves you. He has unlimited acceptance for you. He accepts you where you are right now. Doesn't that? Doesn't matter how good or how bad you happen to be. You know, Max Lucado uh, 
talks about God won't love you more tomorrow if you're good today, and he won't love you less tomorrow. How does that go? If you're, if you're good <laughs> or if you're bad. <laughs> God's love is always the same. It's unchanging. Okay? He accepts us where we are. He says, I want to help you move forward, but I'll accept you where you are right now. And he gives us unlimited forgiveness. Peter Peter says, Lord, should I forgive my brother three times? How about seven? Jesus says, not seven. Seven times 70. Or seven times seven. Anyway, if you're keeping records, you're not forgiving. It's... It's unlimited forgiveness, and God freely forgives. And he says, when I forgive you, it's like it never existed. He pushes it away into the deepest sea and removes it from as as far as the east is from the west. That's a long ways apart. Freely forgives. And God God wants to nurture his relationship with you. He wants to nurture it. He says, walk with me, come with me, be with me. And as we are with him and in that relationship, he begins to heal the hurt. He reduces the pain that so often accompanies memories. There's a wonderful gentleman in my Sunday school class and he was talking about his dad one day and he just broke into tears. He's not a young man. He's older than I am. He broke into tears and I stopped the class and I said, you know what? We need to pray for this man. So we prayed. And we prayed that God would heal the wound. Take away some of the pain. Several times since then, he has mentioned, you know, I've been, I, I can think about that now and it doesn't hurt as much. And it's because he let God bring some healing into his life. He puts his love in our heart through his Holy Spirit and God begins to fill the emptiness. God begins to fill the emptiness. My friends, only God can fill that place. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee. God is the only one who can fill that emptiness through a positive, loving relationship with him that then allows us to live differently. If you're no longer looking for somebody else to fill your loneliness or whatever your hurt may happen to be, if you're letting God do it, you're much freer just to live. And that's a better place to be. God's desire is that we move toward wholeness and live in the fullness of life Jesus came to give us. We have to cooperate with God, though. I suppose uh, 
you might think of that as a slight catch in the whole thing, but as we cooperate with God in his healing process, we ultimately glorify him because of all that he is doing in us. And we get to bear witness to the goodness and love of God as he takes care of the broken things within our lives and the hurt within our hearts. My friends, God wants the chains that hold us captive within the enemy's camp to be broken. There's a song out there. You've probably heard it on the radio. I'm not going to sing it because that would ruin it. But it says there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Doesn't matter what your addiction, God can break it. And God can bring healing into the heart that so often feeds the brokenness. But before God can heal and mend what is broken, he must break the chains of captivity and oppression. And he does that when we accept his son as Lord and Savior of our lives. And once we belong to him as a son or a daughter in the kingdom of heaven, he begins the process of restoring us to his original design. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but sometimes, depending on the one doing the restoration, a restored vehicle or tractor or dresser or whatever is being restored actually ends up being in better condition than it was when it was brand new. You notice that? Trust me when I say to you, God does a masterful and complete job on every project. You may not want to think of yourself as a project, but for the moment, you are. But then, when he's complete, he puts his work on display. Actually, he puts his work on display as he's doing it, which is a marvelous thing, so that others can see. Others can see what God's doing in and through you. As the Apostle Paul says, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. Again, the only catch is that we must give him permission to do his surgical work in our heart. We must hand our hearts over to him and let him do his work of love and goodness in us. It's as though God, in a sense, is asking you to place your heart in your hands like this and then say, God, here's my heart. Take care of it. You fix me. And God will. God will. What is God up to? Why does he care so much? And what is his purpose? He wants us to be fully alive and to be able to live in the freedom of being his children. He wants to put us on display so the world can see the glory of what he has created, redeemed, and restored. What he has done for you and me 
is the same thing he wants to do for your neighbor down the street and across the world. Through the love of God, the presence of his Holy Spirit, and the example of his son Jesus, we can live in a new way by drawing courage from our experiences with God and how he has worked in our lives in the past. Courage because of what he's already done. We can live with power and purpose because of his agape love placed within us. And we have a hope that can carry us through the hard places in life because, because, because we will live with him forever. And we will enjoy him and he will enjoy us. Wow. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Turn to Christ and accept him as your Savior and Lord and let him help you transform your life for his glory and your good. He is offering us wholeness and newness. That's what that's about. Wholeness and newness. It doesn't come all at once. But oh, it does come. Other people cannot make you whole. Or bring healing to your wounded heart. Or mend or bind up the broken pieces of your life. Other people cannot do it. Only God has the power to heal the wounds from the past. To fill the emptiness and give you hope. Only God. Turn to him because he cares about you, Peter says. And he especially cares about your heart. Your heart is so special to you. In fact, in the Old Testament, it says, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. And when God makes your heart good, your life will be good. Not perfect, but good. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, we pause to give you thanks once again for the awesome privilege of being together as your people. And Lord, we need, we need our hearts fixed. None of us have made perfection yet. There's always something new. And oh, in your gentleness toward us, Lord, you never reveal everything all at once. That would crush us. You gently nudge us at times to consider, where does all that pain come from when you hear the phone ring and you see that it's from dad? Or fill in your own blank. Where does, where does that come from when you feel that pain? Know that God is here for you today. And God wants to start healing your heart. He wants to start mending up the broken places in your life so you have the freedom to truly live the abundant life that Jesus said he had come to give. Lord, help us to enter into what you want to do in and through us by how you touch our hearts. 
Dismiss us with your peace and blessing, O God. And help us to remember always we are a loved people. And you want, you want for us to experience your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.